0: Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton, and as always, joined by Dr. Brian Goff. Hello, Brian.
1: Hi, Sheila. It's great to be here.
0: And Dr. Angela Ismurian is sitting in for Jenna Lejeune, who is gallivanting through Barcelona, as we know it. Um, I love this conversation that we're about to have because Leslie Barber has brought um, the topic of grief back around. It's been almost a year since we've spoken about grief, and I think it's such an important topic for people to consider because every one of us is going to face some time in our life when we're really going to have to learn how to grieve. Um, Leslie writes that her husband Steve died in June of 2015 of cancer, the longest day of the year and the worst day of her life. That year, it was Father's Day, which was a triple whammy. He was 46, their daughter was six, and they were shattered. He was a beloved high school teacher and a tennis coach, and one of the things that she decided to do was actually note the ways in which people responded to her grief. Leslie has created something called the Grief Box out of her own grief, which was a really phenomenal offering that I went through. And I welcome you to the studio, Leslie. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Sheila. It's a delight to be here. Uh, The worst day and the longest day of the year is a perfect way to describe when someone you love dies. Absolutely. It it also is so strange, I think, to have to experience something when a lot of us disassociate while that's happening. Were you able to remain present in your body as your husband was dying?
2: Yes and no. Um, Yes, from the standpoint that I was there. I experienced it along with our six-year-old daughter. No, from the standpoint that I couldn't believe it was happening. Yeah. He was only sick for about five months. So to me, it felt like shock. It felt unheard of i couldn't believe that a healthy happy 46 year old's body could turn on him the way that it did and so i think in a way i separated my brain from my body um in that in in grief and in the aftermath of the tsunami that was about to hit me
0: i also think that most I don't know if this is different in other cultures, but I also think most Americans aren't prepared for the physicality of dying. What happens to the human body, how traumatic it is, how ugly it is, how difficult physically it is to help someone through the dying process. I found that to be one of the most jarring things of all.
2: Absolutely. We talk in our culture and we see it in the movies. Oh, they died peacefully in their sleep with all of their loved ones behind them yeah. or around them. right? And Steve had his loved ones around him and there was nothing peaceful about a 46-year-old man dying. He did not want to die. Yeah. He wanted to see his six-year-old grow up. He wanted to stay and teach all of the high school students that he taught. He did not want to die. So there was nothing peaceful about that process. Seeing the pain that he was in obviously there was some relief in in the fact that he was no longer in pain there was just so much anger mm-hmm. and so much frustration and when you mention the physicality I realized Steve was going to die 10 days before he died. Mm. I did not realize that before. People sometimes say with cancer, oh, you must have prepared. There is no preparing for somebody to die of cancer. Yeah. And when I realized he was going to die 10 days ahead because he woke up and couldn't swallow, I my whole body just went into spasms. And I had this horrible pain in the back of my chest. And for years, I described it as my butterfly wings. Mm. That That's where the pain was. And an acupuncturist said to me, it's the back of your heart, and that's what's in pain. Oh, my gosh. And I just thought that was so beautiful because our heart does break when somebody we love dies. I also understand our our brain is significantly affected, but my heart was so heavy for so long that sometimes I just laid down on the ground because I couldn't carry it around anymore. Yeah. It was just too heavy.
0: Dr. ismirian I want to bring you and Brian in because... Um, I do think that part of the reason that death is so traumatic in our culture is because we don't talk about it. We don't prepare for it. We don't have a context for dealing with it. And I'm curious how many people who are suffering real post-traumatic stress syndromes because they've witnessed somebody dying and they are here to tell you that it is one of the most traumatic things you can witness.
1: Yeah. I don't I don't know the data on grief and PTSD particularly if it's not linked to a traumatic accident or a threat of, or a violence what resonated for me or what I was thinking about when you were saying when you were talking was how much in our culture we are set up to try and feel good feel at peace be happy be anxiety free be certain all of these really enjoyable positive feelings almost programmed to believe that if we're not feeling those things, we're feeling something opposite, that, that we're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I'm extraordinarily hesitant to pathologize grief, profound grief even, that mm-hmm. that just feels like profoundly hurting about something that was profoundly important to you. And that just feels so, so human. But if you don't have a tolerance for the breadth of human experience and feel like you need to be only on the positive end of things then yeah you do seek out like I want to go peacefully I want my loved ones to go peacefully and I want to romanticize this extraordinarily painful experience
0: Mm. you said something Leslie that I thought was fascinating in that you have an inclination around therapy and everybody going to therapy to be able to handle their grief that you feel like you've handed all emotions to therapists what do you mean by that um, I've been in and out of therapy
2: for decades. I believe in it. I'm a huge fan of therapy. And 90% of grief are emotions. 10% of the time, grief turns into complicated grief, which might be a diagnosis, for example. So 90% of the time, this is anger, this is frustration, mm-hmm. this is loneliness, this is relief for some people, this is anxiety, right? Mm it's not necessarily something that we have to diagnose. I went to a wonderful doctor a couple months after for the pain I described earlier And she immediately wanted to put me on antidepressants and believed as a primary care doctor that grief is under-medicated. And I decided to go to a psychiatrist to have that conversation instead. Many people may have taken the antidepressants and that was not going to solve the grief. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't going to. And so thinking about how we handle grief, we just, oh, just go see a therapist or go see a counselor or push it aside. I don't want to see it. I don't want to be near it that just puts people who are grieving into darkness even further.
0: Yeah. Angela, um, she has a a wonderful analogy that um, because every woman goes through a unique pregnancy, they should understand when they encounter grief that that's going to be as unique and individualized as pregnancy. Do you think that's a good way to think about it? Yes, I completely agree
3: because each person, yeah, their experience is different, whether it's the relationship to the loved one, whether it's, how you grieve in particular, it's all different depending on you, your body, your relationships, your emotions. If you've ne- if you've been shamed for crying your whole life, mm. grief is mostly just processing those really tough emotions. And for me, it was crying every- any time I've gone through grief. And if the person across from me is so uncomfortable with holding that grief, I'm alone. I'm isolated. I don't know what to do. And so... I completely agree. It really depends on what your experience is, what you need in that moment. Mm -hmm. And that's why I always say, like, when someone's grieving, you just meet them where they are and not try to push them forward or push them back. Just hold them if you can. Mm
2: -hmm. And if I can add, so my first business was in pregnancy. My very first business was starting a company um, where we made prenatal vitamins. So pregnancy is a dear state for me. And I feel like when you talk to pregnant women they feel that their experience is very unique and yet probably 70 or 80% is the same our bodies create the babies in the same way generally we generally all have ankle swell or you know <laughs> some sort of craving right so generally there are a lot of similarities and i want to invite us to consider that grief is similar that there are many communal feelings of grief and that, of course, because grief is based on the love and the relationship you had, of course, that's unique for every experience. And yet many of the emotions and the feelings that we're flooded with when we're grieving a significant death or, or loss, many of them are emotions we can all understand. Mm. And I find that some sometimes people are so afraid of talking to somebody who's grieving because they're so concerned they're going to say the wrong thing because they don't know exactly how you're grieving. And yet they're probably 50, 60, 70 percent of the time we can say something that will land appropriately or we could even just be with that person
1: because it's communal. You know, and both of you have said something along the lines of a therapist walking alongside of somebody or you know, just being with them and bearing witness to the grief. And I think I just wanted to highlight that in that as much as I think it's very normal to and and healthy to lean on friends and family members and so forth, I think because of that tendency that enjoyable emotions are the ones that we desire, that you lean on a friend and the friend feels vicariously uncomfortable for you and doesn't know how to, quote, help, which gets translated into how to make you feel better. When in fact, what you're looking for is someone who is willing to bear witness to you being uncomfortable and maybe by extension, feeling the pain themselves Mm. and to tell you that it doesn't have to get better. You don't have to stop or fill the void or dry the eyes. I think that's in my mind when we talk about a therapist or or someone bearing witness to or walking alongside of you, it is their own comfort with or their own willingness to be in the presence of somebody who's hurting and to not rush the process. Yeah. Is that fair?
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And you mentioned friendships. You know, when when somebody is dying like in my situation with Steve, my friends were doers. They showed up with food. They showed up at the hospital. They showed up to do all these things. Now all of a sudden he's gone. And we're sad and there's nothing they can do about it. They can't fix my pain. Mm. And I learned that the hard way because I couldn't fix my daughter's pain. Mm. I would have given every limb, as I'm sure you would have, to have taken her pain away. And I learned the hard way. I couldn't do that. All I could do was hold her and bear witness to her pain and validate and acknowledge. And when people are used to doing and now they're in a being role, that can be very challenging for People and sometimes they go away and that's where I feel like having a new support team a therapist a grief counselor I do grief coaching um, uh, other widows other parents who have lost a child just connecting with other people who have had a similar experience who can finish your sentences it's so important
0: yeah or who who can wait through the long pause until you actually can finish your own sentence right Yes, such a because sometimes that can be so long. Yeah. I, I'm really curious why you decided to do the grief box because I found each of the things that you put in the box so intentional and so wonderful. Um, but it's like creating something out of your grief is such an interesting impulse. Thank you.
2: I wanted to address the concept you mentioned earlier that nobody knows what to say or do. Mm and people sent me flowers and those flowers were dying on their way to me right they were pretty they made me feel a little bit like a funeral home and then they died and i wasn't showering so now i had to do something with flowers when i could barely keep myself together
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and everyone said well it's the thought that counts Mm -hmm. it's not just the thought that counts showing up with something different something helpful something useful and that's what made me come up with the idea of the Grief Warrior box, um, a care package to say, I acknowledge you, I see your pain, I love you, I want to be here for you, and I want to do things that are helpful. And it started with two items in the box. It started with the in-morning badge. So I can't look at you and tell that you have a broken heart. Or I know you've talked about a broken brain. I can't. I can't look at you and know that. Mm. And I started dressing in all black after my husband died, and Mm. everybody thought I was hip or slimming. Nobody thought I was in mourning. Right? Everybody just thought, oh, she wants to look like she's lost some weight or something. And so I thought, well, there's got to be a way. And so I came up with a little badge, like a pin, but it doesn't ruin your clothes. That says in mourning, and on the back it says grief warrior. And I did that because. As grievers, we often have to remind ourselves that we're grieving, Mm -hmm. and that's why we don't have the sunny disposition we usually do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't feel cheery, and I would walk into a doctor's office, and the overly cheery receptionist would say, hey, are you having a great day? And it took everything in my body Mm -hmm. not to want to say something terrible to this poor young woman. And then I felt like a jerk Mm -hmm. and then I felt terrible. And then I went home even sadder than I already was. So this in mourning badge can just tell people tread gently, right? The second question that, or the number one question people would ask me is, how can I help you? What can I do? And my response was always the same. You can bring my husband back from the dead. Mm. And then they would look at me like, oh, I can't, I can't do that. Mm. And I'd say, well, you're no good to me. And that sounded harsh, but it's because I didn't have my normal diplomacy skills when I was in significant grief. And I needed the help. I had a six-year-old. I had a house that was, you know, needed to be tended to. I had garbage that needed to be taken out. That was his job. He wasn't Mm -hmm. there to do it anymore. So I created a ways to help Notepad so that you can not even think about it. Just check a few things off when people ask you that and hand it out. And that's what started the box. was thinking, okay, those are helpful, useful things. What else could we
0: put in the box that would be really helpful for somebody who's grieving. Yeah. I love that, mm-hmm. the the checklist, because people often don't think like if they, if they say, tell me if there's anything you can do. Well, the person who's grieving is so overwhelmed, they cannot come up with things to do, even though the garbage needs to be taken out and the recycling is not done. And the, the laundry list of things that go out of control when you're grieving are really interesting. So I'm glad that you addressed that in that list.
1: I, I like the list too. Even if you didn't Even if you didn't give the person a slip of paper, it seems to me like what you've created is a reminder to the person grieving that, you know, a a response different than there's nothing you can do because you can't bring my husband back. It's like, that's how it feels, dominantly so. And then I look at this list and I think, well, well, dinner would be helpful. Uh Uh-huh, right. Pick up my kids. Yeah, Clinging and it's sort the litter of a reminder box. of like, yeah. unfortunately, as much as I don't want it to, life goes on yeah. and yeah. like I have to go get the mail and stuff like that. Can somebody just sort that
0: for me? We were talking last night, I was doing a, a presentation and talking about the, some of the strange experiences that happen after you lose someone that you love. And, and one of the guys said, you know, in your book, when you said the unfortunate thing is that life moves on at the same pace as it did prior. Mm-hmm. And so he, he said, I so related that I got in the car and everybody was driving so fast. And I was like, don't you people realize that I just lost this person I love so much? Could you all slow down and recognize my grief? And I was laughing so hard because I think that happens to everyone. They're Mm -hmm. just driving along and you really don't even have the energy to put your foot on the gas and you're maybe getting up to like 35 miles per hour and people are honking at you because you're so out of it. It is such a common experience. It's such a common, and the world is rolling so fast. Well, and at
2: all age, uh, all ages, my daughter was six, and Steve died at 345 in the morning. She was there, but then she went back to sleep because she was six, and she woke up and she said, Mommy, I had a nightmare that Daddy died. And I said, Lovebug, Daddy did die, and you were there, and you told him you loved him. And she burst into tears and she went to her to get a notepad and she wrote on these pieces of paper and ran out the front door and started throwing pieces of paper on our neighbor's lawns. And I said to my, my um, husband's stepmother, could you go see what's going on out there? Because I'm not sure what's going on. And uh, she brought back the pieces of paper and they said, my daddy died and our address <sighs> So this little oh. person, this little ah. six-year-old child was doing exactly what you just d- described, Sheila. Wow. She was acknowledging that her world had stopped yeah. and that the rest of the world was, was going still in. going and she wanted it to oh. stop. Wow. And it's, it's so just powerful. so powerful. Yeah. It blew wow. me away.
0: I really um, love that there is, you know, especially talking about what goes on, the return into the workplace is one of the most difficult to navigate because you're whole life structure has changed. So how do we help people who are co-workers and our managers and our supervisors and bosses begin to learn this language? So going back into
2: the workplace can be so hard because it's normal, Yeah, right? So it was our normalcy before the person died and now we're being asked to return. You know, average bereavement leave in this country is three days. My husband died on a Sunday. I would have been expected back at work on Thursday. Wow. That's laughable. It's not even funny. I mean, it's just crazy that that. It's almost dangerous
0: that a company would do that. It is dangerous. And
2: there are studies by the Grief Recovery Institute that show that a hundred billion dollars is being lost by corporations in this country due to grief related illness issues. So it's things like Productivity is lost, absenteeism, because three days is not enough, yeah. or grief related deaths or injuries. So, this is very serious. WebMD recently did a study that found 57% of Americans report having had a significant death in their family in the last three years. 57% of Americans are in some form of significant grief. Wow. And yet, in three days, They're expected to go back into a normal environment. So I really challenge and and invite companies to show their compassion, not only for when employees are giving birth, which we're getting much better at, right? Yeah. Still not perfect, but we're getting so much better at it. They're adding to their family. But what about when their family is getting smaller?
0: Smaller. Wow, what a great point. We
2: need to show up for our employees then. And I am absolutely sure they will repay with loyalty and retention and admiration for the company.
0: They will repay when you show up in their worst moment. Yeah, I agree with that. I saw a great image the other day that showed grief as this huge ball in this box. And then there was like a button and every time the ball bounced, it had nowhere to go, but to push the button, which is the trauma and the memory and the the overwhelming feelings of hopelessness and sadness. And then over time it showed the grief ball just getting a little smaller. It's not like grief ever leaves you. It's just it doesn't hit the button quite as often. Are you at that place now where? Oh, that's such an interesting visual. It's a great visual because you can actually see it and use it. You know. Yes.
2: And I'll add to that visual, which is the one that sticks with me, are three mason jars, small, medium, large. Yeah. And there's a ball of wax in the mason jars. Same size in each jar. So in the beginning, it's grief. Twenty four seven, all the time, yeah. right? All the time. Over time, the grief can stay as ferocious, but there's more space for other things. Mm, over I like time, that too. I love that mm-hmm. because um, you know I can now laugh, belly laugh, without sobbing. Yeah, I couldn't do that for years. Yeah, um, and then over more time, joy can come back, gratitude can come back, yeah. things like that. And I say this with experience. Just about a month ago, I was at a shop returning something and and buying something new, and the woman behind the counter said, may we email you your receipt? And I thought, well, of course, no problem. Everybody emails me their receipts. And she said, let me double check your email. And she read off my husband's email. Now, I've been receiving emails from this company for four and a half years, probably every other day. So why was she reading me Steve's email? I fell to my knees, had a full-blown panic attack, could not get air in my lungs Mm -hmm. other than to half yell. Why do you have his email address? Why? I don't understand it. So the ferociousness of that, I'd never had a panic attack before Steve died. I had three to four of them a day um, for months after he died. Now we're four and a half years later, the unexpected wave that came over was Mm -hmm. as ferocious. So it happens fewer and farther between. I can bring laughter and joy in between. I've actually gone back in a few times to apologize to the poor woman for my response. I can do that. I could have a conversation with her about it Mm. in a way I couldn't have done right after Steve died. Mm. So the pie gets bigger in my mind. Yeah. And I love
1: that. I like that metaphor. I I sometimes talk to folks about in the context of grief that it's like you have a light that has a really narrow beam like a spotlight and the only thing it's shining on is grief and i think sometimes people think you have to get over it or it goes away and i prefer the idea that the beam gets broader And you can see and pay attention to and recognize more things. You have Mm. space for more stuff. And now it's a flood lamp and the grief is still there, but there are other things. And occasionally the light isn't shining on the grief at all, but then something will happen and it's like a sneaker wave. I know someone who lost her husband and it had been, oh, I don't know, um, a year, something like that. And she was filling out, she was going to a new physician and filling out their initial paperwork and it got to marital status. And she started.
2: On her knees. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Sure. That whole thing,
0: who, oh. who should we call in the event right. of an emergency? That was the question for yeah. me. I was just like, yeah, I have no one to put right. on there. I have right. a nine-year-old child. Or there they always know. say
2: second parent or right. guardian. Yeah. And you're like, do I write uh-huh. deceased? Yeah. Do I leave it blank? Yeah. Yeah. What do I do? And people say, oh, you're a single parent now. No, actually, I'm an only parent, parent. Right. now. Yeah. I don't give my child to another parent. That's right. Half the time. time. I'm it. Yeah. yeah, that's a very different experience.
0: Yeah. yeah, those um things keep coming up throughout your life too, even when your daughter will go to college admission, it's very difficult for the admission officers to understand that one of the parents is dead. They don't have the forms for it. They don't have the so it's a lot of complication to mm-hmm. you know be able to navigate this world that's so much about black and white kind of. Well, we know divorce, we understand that a lot. We don't we know people who are separated we get that a lot there's just so little accommodation mm-hmm. for death and grief in our yeah. in our society that
3: makes me so sad because it happens to so many of us at varying ages and varying places in our lives and that it kind of just shocks me honestly that mm-hmm. we don't have the resources out there to i don't know take care of the students that are applying to college mothers children yeah and I don't know, I'm trying to have empathy <laughs> and it's kind of, <laughs> um, yeah. but I don't know. I think about how difficult it is to, if you are not prepared, the response of like, I don't know what to do in order to make you feel better. It kind of always goes back to, I would rather hear, I don't know what to say, but I'm here. Yes. Or I don't know what you need as an employer, but take the space you need. Mm-hmm. Like if you need, if you get triggered, there's a private room here. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have that as an option or, you know, appropriate forms for colleges, something that kind of, I don't know, puts it out there that we are all in different places and here's, I don't know what you need, but
0: just let me know. Yeah. It's wonderful. Well, I um I loved the box. It's beautifully designed. It's really thoughtful. It just I mean, it will offload that awkward thing that people have which is I don't know what to bring. She told me she has enough casseroles. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, it's beautiful. How do people find it? They find it at our website which is
2: agriefwarrior.com. We also have a very loving community at agriefwarrior on Instagram and Facebook to support people who might not have the support they need.
0: So that's where they can find it. Thank you again, Leslie. It's been really wonderful to speak with you. Thank you so much. Our program is brought to us by the Foundation for Excellence in Mental Health Care and Cedar Hills Hospital. Thank you so much for listening. And please, if you can give us a review on one of the places where you listen.